the staggering cost of business email compromise, the staggeringly low cost of hacking tools, and countering card fraud in Canada. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Some good news this week. 281 suspected business email compromise fraudsters were arrested in an international operation. While any takedown of BEC perpetrators can only be good news, there's a pretty dark cloud to this silver lining. According to IC3 in a recent report, BEC losses amounting to 26.2 billion US dollars occurred since July 2016. With more on the story, it's ISMG's managing editor, security and technology, Jeremy Kirk. Business email compromise remains a devious and clever scheme. It can take a variety of forms, but generally involves tricking organizations into wiring or transferring money into fraudster accounts. By gaining access to email accounts, fraudsters study how invoices are paid and seek to intervene, sometimes by changing account numbers on invoices. It's a scheme that leverages blind trust in email and often inattention to detail. And unsurprisingly, there's bad news on this front. The losses continue to rise. Earlier this week, the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center said the total exposed global dollar loss amount, which includes both stolen funds and attempts to steal funds, rose to $26.2 billion worldwide. That figure came as the Department of Justice announced a major roundup of suspects allegedly involved in BEC scams. 281 people were arrested, the majority of whom were in the U.S. and Nigeria. In the U.S., some suspects allegedly stole 250,000 identities and filed more than 10,000 bogus tax returns, netting $91 million in fraudulent refunds. BEC scams rely on organizations falling prey to phishing schemes or social engineering, but there are plenty of ways to counter the common techniques that fraudsters use. That includes revised processes and security awareness training. Some of the methods may slow down transactions, including careful double-checking of account changes, making confirmation phone calls, and having a keen eye for spoofed emails, but it may save a big loss in the end. Organizations should also watch out for tampered email accounts by checking if settings have been changed to forward emails to another address outside the organization. That's one way the BEC scammers maintain a lurking presence. Also, and if the message hasn't gotten through at this point yet, enable two-step verification for email accounts, which will usually blunt attacks such as credential stuffing. Security awareness training can also help fine-tune employees' eyes for clues to suspicious activity. That includes checking domains and links for misspellings, which is a sign of spoofed domains. IC3 also recommends ensuring employees' computers are enabled to show the full email address from a sender. Also, there are non-technical steps, such as the banning of the sending of personally identifiable information in emails or supplying login credentials via that channel. That may seem to be a no-brainer for security professionals, but it's good to remember that the security maturity of businesses vary widely, and you never know what your employees are going to do. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. We've another story this week on cybersecurity costs. In this instance, just how inexpensive it is to orchestrate attacks. Here's ISMG's executive editor, Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz, with more. The incidence of cybercrime continues to surge 
driven in part by the easy availability of inexpensive hacking tools and services on the black market, together with a steady stream of vulnerable systems to be hacked, including Internet of Things devices. Key to the continuing surge in cybercrime has been the ecosystem that continues to aid criminals every step of the way. Attackers can easily procure and deploy malware to steal banking data, ransomware to crypto-lock systems and demand a ransom, and crypto mining code to generate Monero or other cryptocurrency. Or skip the malware stage and just buy stolen card data directly. For example, a recent review of 12 English and Russian language cybercrime markets found U.S. credit card data with CVV numbers being sold for an average of $5 to $12 each. The study by researchers at cloud security firm Armor found that card prices increased up to $25 for records that also included the cardholder's date of birth and their bank's identity number, making them easier to use. Some tools and services, however, are more expensive than others. While ATM skimmers retail for an average of $500 to $1,500 and the Emotet banking trojan sells for $1,000, Ransomware as a service package, Ranyan, is available for only a $120 monthly subscription, while DDoS on-demand attacks cost just $60 an hour, 51,000 spam emails can be commissioned for $61, and access to unhacked servers via RDP costs just $20, Armor reports. The Cybercrime as a Service ecosystem also helps attackers turn stolen data into cash. For example, they can access networks of money mules who can take merchandise that's been illegally procured using stolen card data and sell it on online auction sites. Money mules can also use stolen debit card data to help drain bank accounts via ATMs and counterfeit cards. Showing just how specialized the market is, there are even services to help the money mules. Increasingly, money mule gang leaders, or herders, appear to be using shell corporations to maintain persistence and avoid having their bank accounts get shut down or seized by authorities, at least for long enough to turn a profit. To help create these shell companies, Armour found that sellers on cybercrime forums are offering stolen employer identification numbers, also known as tax ID numbers. Each EIN is a unique nine-digit number assigned by the IRS to business entities that operate in the U.S. for the purpose of opening a bank account or filing a tax return. Or, if you're a money mule herder, to help you create a shell company and move more funds. So, where do busy cyber criminals turn to get rid of all the cryptocurrency they may have been amassing? Well, they can use Bitcoin tumbling or mixing services and other money laundering services to help hide illicit revenue streams and cash out. All for a cut of the money to be laundered, of course. Part of the challenge with disrupting cybercrime is that offering such services continues to be easy, and many cybercrime forums operate from around the world, including Russia, where Western law enforcement agencies can't reach. The result is that aspiring criminals have access to a wide variety of inexpensive hacking options that they can use from the comfort of their own home. And these attackers don't appear to shy away from putting these illicit tools to work to earn a criminal profit. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Finally, myself and the ISMG team are heading north in a couple of weeks to our annual cybersecurity summit in Toronto, Canada. While this year it won't coincide with the International Film Festival, alleviating the possibility of me embarrassing myself in front of Susan Sarandon in an elevator again, we do have another star-studded lineup from the cybersecurity world, including an on-call performance from Gord Jameson, Visa Canada's Head of Risk. 
as a prequel to Gord's keynote, I had the chance to interview him this week about what's changed in the card fraud landscape in Canada since we spoke at the summit last year. Here's Gord. We're just seeing a tremendous uh, shift uh, to the card not present channel. Chip and, and chip and pin in our market and chip in other markets has had a tremendous impact on reducing overall counterfeit losses and, and fraud losses in the card present space to the point where we're probably less than one basis point of fraud within within counterfeit within the Canadian market. But we've seen a shift to the card not present space where last qu- quarter of two, 2018, 55% of our sales were in the card not present channel, but 93% of our fraud was in that channel. And the one good thing that we can say is that for the first time in a long time, the growth in sales in the channel is now starting to outpace the growth in fraud. For the last three or four or five years, it's been fraud outpacing the growth in sales, which is not a good position to be in. Any specific kinds of fraud that you you would flag there? Certainly, I'm I'm aware that things like account takeover fraud have been particularly a, a problem for a lot of financial institutions in the wake of some of the larger data breaches that have happened recently. Yeah, when you start to have personal information that's compromised, not so much credit card data, the biggest fear is that that information is going to be exploited for account takeovers uh, and identity thefts. We're also seeing a a push in other markets around synthetic ID being a bit of a problem here as well, too. It's still a relatively small portion of our overall fraud if I start to look at what it represents. But it's a it's growing, and it's, it's so it's a concern from that perspective. Our focus right now is is really around the, the card not present, because not only is it um, where they're exploiting the data, it's also 75% of our data compromise incidents are with card not present merchants today. So the fraudsters, the hackers are going after those merchants that are in this channel, in this space, and getting data that's compromised there to reuse again in the card not present space. So we're seeing a lot within uh, account testing. That's It's a lot of old school stuff that we've seen years and years ago is sort of coming back around. Um, so we're, we're, we're looking at developing tools like uh, Visa Account Attack Intelligence, where we're looking at the Card Not Present channel and looking for uh, excessive attempts on count numbers, expiry dates, security codes, where, the, where they're trying to do it through automatic testings and scripts. And we're trying to identify this so machine learning is allowing us to detect these enumeration patterns and attacks and eliminate the, the vulnerability to our clients. But that's a big thing we're seeing a lot of activity this year is just the whole probing and, and using automated scripts to test account numbers. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.